Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. This is the word of the Lord. morning family it's definitely a blessing to be with you all this morning uh, grateful to God Pastor Sean and uh, his family and to the pastoral staff here at Redemption Peoria uh, just for you all allowing me to come today and, and share with you it's been about a year um, I think that I've been here and so um, I think last time I was here you guys were over in the other uh, theater so it's definitely a blessing just to see the work that God is doing uh, through you all um, as well. Thank you to uh, my wife and my kids um, that are here supporting me. And um, I never stand up here alone. I am always connected. So uh, grateful to God for that. Let's pray and uh, let's jump in. Let's jump in. I'm ready to preach if you're ready to hear a word from God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the time and space that we have today. Um, God, give us ears to hear, a heart to believe, hands to handle, and feet to run swiftly in the word that you will give us today. God, I pray that we would be drawn closer to you um, and even to the point, God, where those of us that are far from the cross of Christ um, that we would move just a little bit closer to the feet of Jesus. Lord, let me decrease so that you might increase. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If any of us have been in church for any moment of time, then this text is obviously a familiar one, okay? Very familiar text. And uh, the beautiful part about getting to preach this text today in light of mission is that it comes on the heels of what you all have been dealing with for a, a more than a few months now going through the book of Acts. And I had an opportunity to listen to some of Pastor Sean's uh, sermons through the book of Acts, and obviously, right, Acts is uh, sort of the outflow, the overflow, the outpouring of the work of the Holy Spirit through the person and the work of Jesus Christ and his ministry and mission that he did, right? Through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the life of Christ, and then Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, um, their work, the work of the local church, extending the gospel um, to the ends of of the earth. And then you come to the end of Acts chapter 28, and I love the way Pastor Sean phrased it. He says, now what you have is Acts chapter 29, 30, 31, 32, and so on. And really, family, what, what's really being said in that is this, that now 
right? The movement of the gospel, the mission of God is up to us, okay? It's up to us. Chapter 29 and on, right? Obviously, that's not in the printed pages. So it's this idea that just because the Acts, it stops at chapter 28, it does not mean that that is the end of this narrative that God has us in right now. But it continues on, and it's up to us. Somebody say, it's up to me. If, 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 family, you have been saved, if you have been delivered by the power and the presence of God, if you have put your hope, your thoughts, and your emotions, if they lean into the word of God, then that means that you are saved. Eternity with God, family, is your Home And therefore, God's assignment, the responsibility of that is up to all of us. Newsflash, here's what that means. We don't get to come into church Sunday after Sunday, hear good preaching, hear great worship, and go back home and let business be as usual. We don't get to do that. Okay? We don't get to do that because now there's something greater going on inside your life that God has invited you to be a part of. That's advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So mission is what we're talking about. Mission is what we are talking about. Here's the deal. Before you all leave here today wondering scampering around and trying to figure out, Lord, what can I do for you? I want you to fall back a moment, okay? I don't want you to think about that, all right? You're going to hear a sermon today on mission. I don't want you to think about all the things that you need to do, the people you need to bless, the, the, the places you need to go. Let's go feed the homeless, or let's go over here to the refugees, or let's go over here to this missions trip. I don't want you to run out of here full of zeal uh, trying to engage the mission of God as such. And here's why. Because there's a few possibilities, okay? There's a few possibilities that that if we're not careful, we could get in trouble. Let me share a few of these possibilities with you all. Um, um, It is possible. It's possible. This is why I don't want you to leave here focusing on what you need to do. It's possible that you could leave here today, okay, in, in, in Dwayne Hawkins' language, kill the game to the glory of the Lord, winning people, saving people, preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, win thousands of people. It's possible that you could do all of that and still miss God. Okay? It's possible. If you don't believe me, Matthew seven twenty one is clear about this, that there will be some of you who will preach in my name. You will cast out demons in my name. You will do great and mighty works in the name of Jesus Christ. And on the last day, when you stand before him, he will look at you and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Don't leave here, family. I, I, I beg you, don't leave here focusing on what you need. To do. Let me give you another possibility. It's possible, it's possible that, 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 that you could do great works in the name of Jesus Christ and have the appearance of righteousness. It's possible. You can appear to be righteous. You can appear to be holy, but inside you are fake as they come. There's no authenticity within you. Your heart really isn't leaning into the glory of the Lord. Rather, your heart leans into you being made much of. This is why, family, I don't want you to leave here focusing 
on what you can do. Let me give you a few more possibilities. It's, it's possible also, right, that, that, that on the outside you could look the part. Some of you might be familiar with this text, right, where the text says that on the outside you look like a whitewashed tomb. You're pure, holy, perfect. You look the part, but on the inside you are full of dead men's bones. It is possible. It's possible. To get this thing wrong, this idea of mission wrong, because we're focusing on what we need to do. Okay? Do not, I beg you, do not leave here focusing on what you need to do. Love it. End of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 28, very last verse there, right? Jesus, he has what, what I would call bookends, and this is how we move into Mark chapter 1, but there's a bookend on the end of Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus says, after he tells them, go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of all of that, he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth, that's, that's, that's the latter bookend, but then this is why we go to Mark 1.17, because there's the former, the, 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 the first bookend of, of this narrative where Jesus says, follow me, follow me. I love it. Jesus gives an invitation here, okay? Jesus gives an invitation, and it's not an invitation, family, to work. It's not. He does not say in the text, yo, come and be with me so that you can do all of this work for me. No, he says, follow me. When you look at it, follow really is this invitation to come and be with Jesus. It's an invitation to come and do life with Jesus. Jesus is saying, come and see what I see. Come and eat what I eat. Come and engage the people that I engage. Where I walk, I want you to walk there too with me. Where I run and play, I want you to run and play there with me. Where you will see me work, I want you to work right alongside of me. Follow me. Come and be with me, can I tell you, family, that this invitation by Jesus Christ is nothing new? He's been doing this since the beginning of time. If you ever in your own leisure read the creation story, if you, it, it, when, you, when you read that, understand this, right? It's, it's in the text. It's there in Genesis. The days one through three, God creates the habitation, okay? He creates the place. He creates earth. And then days four, five, and six, God creates the inhabitants, right? Those people and the animals, the things that are supposed to live within the habitation. It's interesting that Jesus, that God would do this at creation. This really should let you know that God is not after your works. Yep. It's not after what you can do for him because if he was after what you could do for him, he would have created humans first and he would have said, build me a world. But rather, he creates a world and then he creates humanity and places us in that world. Now, this is very familiar. Anybody in here, right, with kids? Got three of them myself. You ever wondered? That since conception, at conception, when the mother has conceived, automatically, when the news is known that we're expecting a baby, automatically this child that is yet to be born begins to take from the parents. You ever notice that? 
Nine months, nine months of just taking. They ain't even here yet. Nine months, right? Carve out a room and you start moving stuff out of that room. They already start taking your money because you're spending your money for a child that's not even here yet. They haven't even been born yet, taking your money already. And if you ever have kids, right, once, they, once the child is born and, and, and they begin to grow up, I've got three of them. I said 14, 11, and 8. And as they grow up, right, they, 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 it doesn't get any better. They take more from you. Take your money. Take your time. They take your sleep, right? Me personally, they take my schedule, right? I feel like I need to become a professional Uber for my kids. Dad, can you take me here? Dad, can you go here for me? Dad, can you do this for me? I've just reconciled that I'm probably not going to have my own life until my kids get out of my house. Somebody say amen. <laughs> I mean, if you logically think about it, family, what do kids offer you? Just logically, like, don't get all super spiritual with me. Just, they don't give you anything. They take from you. Unless one of you have had your child Pre-18, right? Not post-18 when they've grown up, lived their own life, got their own job, and they've come to a place of maturity. Pre-18, unless one of them have come up to you and say, hey, Dad, here's a $100 check. I just want to bless you for being good to me in my young age. <laughs> Let me know because I need to go to your parenting class. <laughs> but think about this. Why in the world would we have Kids, why in the world would you bring an individual in the world that takes from you? Doesn't make sense. If you're honest with yourself, you got grown folk that take from you. You know you don't like being around them kind of people. We don't bring our kids into the world so that they could work for us, so that they could be our hired hand. We don't bring kids into the world for that We bring kids into the world. Why? So that we could love them and be with them. Yep. So that we could love them and be with them. I mean, this is where we get it from in the creation narrative. That's why this idea of Jesus saying, follow me, it's an invitation to be with him. You keep reading throughout the entirety of Scripture, right? Fast forward through the Old Testament. God is constantly declaring in the Old Testament, I will be your God. You will be my people. Relationship, fellowship. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus comes on the scene. Another name for Jesus is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Do you see this thread here? Keep fast forwarding into the book of Acts right now. No longer just God with us, but God In us, it's through the power of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. God is still after the same thing. I want to be with you. And you get all the way to the end of the text, the book of Revelation, around Revelation chapter 19. The author says, right, that there's going to be a group of people who have clothed themselves in 
and linen that is fine and it's bright and it's pure. And it's those who have clothed themselves in this linen that is fine, bright and pure. Or it, it is those who will be what? Invited to the marriage supper of the lamb, the great wedding banquet. I hope you're hearing this family that from Genesis to Revelation and now in the middle of it all in the book of Mark, we're preaching on mission and God's invitation is not for you to work. It's for you to be with him. You gotta get this. Because some of you are zealous. You're gonna leave this place today. You'd leave this place today from a sermon on mission and you start trying to add stuff to your calendar, and that's not where Christ is leading you today. You start trying to plan around that missions trip to somewhere across the world. I would challenge you that God's not leading you there just yet today. He says, follow me, be with me. This is where mission starts. First point Jesus invites is an invitation into his life. Why, though? Why? Why? In the second part of the text, because we're still in the text here, Mark chapter 1, verse 17, the second part of the text, Jesus says, follow me and what? I will make you. Pause. Don't be so quick to read through the entirety of this one verse trying to get to fishers of men that we miss an intricate part here in the middle. Okay? Because once we get mission, once we get this idea, right, that we need to go and make disciples, now what, what, what gets in the way of that is this idea of who are we making? Who are we making? Because you do know, family, right, you will only be able to make as you are made. I'm going to say it again. You will only be able to make as you are made. There was a show. I was born in 1980, and so some years ago, MTV, uh, there's a show called Made. Not sure anybody are from, you familiar with this show, Made? On the show, you'd have uh, persons that applied to get onto the show, and they had this idea, this imagination, uh, or this person that they wanted to be. They wanted to be like them, right? They wanted to dress like them. They wanted to walk like them, talk like them, have the lifestyle like this person, right? Even all the way down to some of their physical features. I want my hair to look like them. I promise you that'd be a struggle for me. But they wanted to be like certain folk that they idolized, and they have a team to come around them and help them become made in the image of the person that they idolized. The problem with that is this, that at some point in time throughout the entirety of our lives, we are being made by something or someone. And if we're being made by something or someone that's less than Jesus Christ, watch this, that essentially means that we're being made by brokenness. And anytime you're made by brokenness, the result of what you'll get is what? Brokenness. <laughs> I mean, that's why I mean, we, we all got it in here at some level in our own lives, right? We, we've put our hope in maybe our money or put our hope in our homes or put our hope in our job or our, de- our degrees. We feel like it's a, a badge of honor. It's, 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 it's what I'm made of. This is what we do. This is the Hawkins family. That's just my name. We're men. This is what we 
do. I'm trying to make myself by things that are frail, fleeting, and broken. But I am grateful today, family, that within the freedom of the text, Jesus frees me. He says, Dwayne, you don't have to be made by your stuff. He says, Dwayne, you don't have to be made by your life. You don't have to be made by what, what appears to be prestigious. You don't have to be made by your degrees. You don't have to be made by your church being a certain size. You don't have to be made by being, uh, uh, coming off to people as a certain type of husband. You don't have to be made, Dwayne, by appearing to be a great preacher, Dwayne. All I need you to do, Dwayne, is get in my presence, embrace my invitation, and I will make you. There's freedom there. Because if you're honest with yourself, part of your decisions you make in life is based on people's perception of you. Yep. Based on their perception of you. One challenging relational engagement. Somebody said something, and so you go home now, and you start switching things up. You make different decisions. Yep. Happens between myself and my kids all the time, right? My kids will... My kids will come and ask me something. Oh, the son, he's good for this. He'll come and ask me something. It's a pet peeve of mine. Don't come and ask me something at the last minute. So I'm trying to teach him preparation and organization, right? He'll come and ask me something at the last minute. He'll see my face, and I'll be like, really, bro? You're killing me. He'll be like, never mind, Dad. And he'll walk. I say, no, 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 no. Don't walk away. Don't change your decision because of my poor and unhealthy response to you. I know in the moment I'm not acting by the spirit. I'm really acting by my flesh because I'm frustrated that he came to me at the last minute and I got to rearrange my program to help my son out, right? Y'all see all that selfishness in there, right? I didn't want to rearrange my life to love on my son in his moment of need, but I wanted him to learn and understand, listen, don't make decisions based on things you can't control. Don't try to act a certain way just so you can appease dad, so you can generate a healthy or generate a favorable response from dad. Why? Because I'm not your maker, son. Not your maker. I'm not God over your life. So just because you see me respond in a certain way, don't push back. Don't fall back. Don't give up who God has called you to be. That's how you know when you're being made by something or someone less than God because you let everybody else and you let everything else dictate to your life except for the one who has freed you. Do you want to live in the bondage of people or do you want to live in the freedom of Christ? Pause a moment. Christ has already promised you. You know he loves you because he died for you even when you weren't even willing to lift a righteous finger for him. Anybody familiar with Romans, right? Gift of God, right? God gave his love to us that while we were in seal, still in sin, he died for us. While we were in a posture of rejection, wanting nothing to do with God, he gives his life for you. He does not wait for you to get right. He does not wait for you to accept your call to pray. He doesn't, he doesn't wait for you to make a certain amount of money. He doesn't wait for you to love your wife and your kids well. No, he dies for you in your messy condition and comes into your messy life and promises you, if you just follow me, I got you. I'll make you. The stuff you're cramming for, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. 
You're working overtime trying to get this and get that. You're expending your sleep, cutting your sleep in half to try to go and do this and drag your kids around here and there, right? We're just being made by the culture. Jesus says, follow me. Let me make you. And I submit to you today, family, that many of us in here, many of us in this world, we are bombarded by a culture that tells us we need to do this. We need to be like this. We need to say this. We need to go here. We need to have this. And Jesus is saying, no, live in the freedom of my presence. Because I know what tomorrow holds. So Jesus invites. He invites us into his life so that he could make us. Now, this idea of Christ making us is also the part of the narrative where it's Christ's work in us, okay? It's Christ's work in us. Pause a moment. Before Jesus wants to do a work through you, he wants to do a work in you. I'm going to say that again. Before Jesus wants to do a work through you, he wants to do a work in you. This is why, family, you need to pause and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You, you need to create proximity with the presence of God. Submit your thoughts, submit your emotions to the power and the presence of his holy word so that God can work in you. Lastly, the reason he's going to do a great work in you because he's already ordained a great work through you. Yep. He's already ordained a great work. So you see, this, this idea of mission, what I don't want you to leave here with today is that there's no works involved in this. Okay? But what I do want you to leave here with today as well is that it doesn't begin with what you can do. It begins with the work of God in you. Okay? It begins with the work of God in you. Watch this. The text, last latter part of the text, right? Jesus said unto them, follow me and I will make you, last part, become fishers of men. Become. Two pieces here. We'll be out your way. Become. Become. Didn't say, follow me and I will make you to do great works. It said, follow me and I will make you become. If you ever look at the definition of be, it's this idea of your disposition, okay? That means that this is not about your external works and what you do. Actually, this is about your inherent qualities, things that are within you. So this is really rooted in, and God is in pursuit of family, changing your identity. He wants to change you. He wants to change you, but the challenge for us is this. We're so behavior driven. We don't sit long enough to let God's perfect work take place in our lives. Right? This is why you don't say do quiet. You say be quiet. Because quietness is not a behavior. It's a disposition. It's possible to live in chaos and have a spirit of quietness about you. This is why you don't say do still. You say be still, right? Because stillness, being still is not something that you can do, right? It's, it's a disposition in your heart. It's a sp- 
space in your thoughts and your emotions that says, Some of y'all might be familiar with the text, right? Moses, right? Be still and know, stand still and see. It presses against our westernized culture that yours is today. Wake up, seize it, grind, work hard. You hear people talk about it all the time. I'm up before the birds are chirping. I'm up before everybody else. I get more done in the early morning while folk are still sleeping, right? There's this idea of celebrating work. Work, work, grind, 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 go, 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 do, 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 go, do, work, grind, go, do, work, grind. It's exhausting just saying that. Jesus invites you and he says, follow me and I'll make you become our form. Your identity. The very thing that all of your behaviors, that all of your works launches from. You're concerned with changing your behaviors. Christ is concerned with changing the way you think and the way you feel. Christ calls you into mission. We run out and do. And Christ is giving us an invitation to stop, pause, and sit in his presence. He says, I will make you become. You might be familiar with the narrative. It's throughout the Gospels, the story with Jesus. He's in the presence of Mary and Martha. Martha is the older sister who is in the kitchen trying to be hospitable to Jesus because there is work to be done. We don't have time to sit around in the presence of God because we have to feed Jesus. Jesus needs to be fed. There's work to be done. I know there's some of us in here that are like that. We're busy. The scripture says she was busy, cumbersome about much. And then you have her younger sister, Mary, who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. Martha complains. She goes, Jesus, what's really going on? How are you going to let my sister sit here and do nothing? Because, you know, in westernized culture, to rest actually means to do nothing. Those who rest are actually lazy. Western world. And Jesus says, Jesus says, I love it. He doesn't denounce what Martha was doing. He just highlights what was the better choice. It says, Martha, actually Mary, the one who's sitting here pausing at my feet, has made the better choice. It's not that we're pushing work aside, family. It's just that you will never, ever be able to work efficiently and effectively for the kingdom of God unless you begin with rest. Unless you allow God to work, change, reshape your identity, who you are. This is why he says, become what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. People who will capture other people, people who will win other people. I love it. There's some insight in this text. These were fishermen. These were guys who were fishing for fish. 
Jesus says, if you follow me, you come and live in my presence. I'll make you fisher of men. Here's the insight into this part of the text. Mission does not begin where you are already not. Mission, I'll say it a different way. Mission never begins outside of the place you are currently. Think about it. Those of us that are zealous and ready to run and win the world, we always think, not always, we tend to think that I've got to go over here for mission and I've got to do this over here for mission and I've got to leave this job where my boss is getting on my last nerves. Matter of fact, I ain't even got enough nerves in the way he's frustrating me. I need a better job as a Christian environment where Jesus is always worshipped. What you're essentially saying is you need a place that has the light in it. You need a place that has the light in it. I'll say it one more time. You need a place that has the light in it. But the last time I checked, if Jesus... is inside of you and the place that you're at is full of darkness and how come the light's not shining there? He was talking to fishermen who were familiar with the idea of capturing something. But Jesus is saying, I'm calling you into mission, watch this, and it does not begin over there, it begins right where I've placed you. Right where I've placed you. Because many of us as Christians in this westernized world, we think that because I'm in a place of discomfort, a place that's challenging, a place that doesn't feel good, clearly God can't be in this. So I need to get where God is. Because God is in the feel good. God is in the place where there's always peace. God is in the place where there's no struggle. God is in the place where there's no suffering. No, God is right where he has you. In that dark place, because that dark place needs the light. Because he's put the light inside of you. He says, that's why I have you there. That's why I have you there. I don't have you there so you could sit there and consume the light. No, the light's inside of you. Let it emit. Let it shine through you. Many of us family, God's calling us to be on mission right in our marriages. And you're ready to give it up. Right in our parenting. And you're ready to quit on your kids. Right on your job, you're already looking for another one. And God is like, if you just shine, if you just shine, if you just become who I'm making you to be, Jesus says, I promise you, I promise you, your situation will change. I promise you. And not this old prosperity, it'll change, it'll work out for you. No, 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 no. It'll change because what once was dead will now have life. The place that once was dark will now be lit up. The place that once had depression and frustration and anxiety will now become a place of peace. Why? Because peace lives on the inside of you. God's not calling you, family, to a place that's outside of where you are currently. Somebody say, be faithful. Yep, stay the course. Stay the course. Is it tough? Yeah. Do you wish you had it a different way? Yeah. Do you feel like you might have made a mistake? Yeah. 
But all of that I just mentioned, and then some, you have to ask the follow-up question. Whose work is this anyway? No, I'm talking about. Don't leave here. Don't leave here. Don't don't leave here focusing on what you need to do. Leave here focusing on who you need to be with, Jesus Christ, understanding that it's his work he invites, he makes, and he causes you to become everything that God has ordained you to be. Everything. If you'd just be willing to be still a moment and follow in his footsteps, if you'd be willing to just be still until you hear clearly from God. Let me give you this story and we'll be done. I remember as a kid, my brother and I grew up in our home in inner city Oakland. We lived on a corner of a bad neighborhood. We were playing out in the garage, doing some music. A gentleman walks by. Parents aren't home. A gentleman walks by, comes into our drive. He says, hey, I talked to your dad earlier, and he told me that I could come by and uh, grab the yellow and gray saw that it was in, that was, uh, that, you know, that's, that's in your garage. And, and uh, he said when he got back that he'll come by and, and pick it up from me. I'm a teenager at the time, so my brain ain't working anyway. So I was like, well, sure. I mean, he, you know, he described the saw rightly, and I, I gave him the saw. A few hours later, Dad comes home. I say, hey, Dad, uh, don't forget you got to go by so-and-so's house to pick up uh, the saw that you said he could come by and borrow. My dad goes, excuse me? I was like, yeah, you sent a guy by here, right, to, to come and pick up your saw so he could use it. My dad says, I, I never told anybody to come by. My dad was livid. It was an expensive saw. We learned from that. Dad said, if you don't know what to do, and if you're unsure of what I may or may not have told you, he said, don't move at all. He says, you wait until I come. Family, I would argue loudly and clearly that Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, if you're unsure, over here, over there, busy, doing this, and you look up, and you have no idea where you're at or what you're doing, be still. And don't move until you hear clearly from Jesus. Because part of your being still is God's process in your life of him making you to become the glorious image of Christ in a world that is dying, a world that is sick with sin, a world that is dark, by the grace of God, he's chosen to use every one of you. Broken, messy, insecure, prideful, selfish, perfection, 
chooses to use imperfection to bring hope, love, joy, peace, beauty into this world. That, my friends, does not begin with what you need to do. That begins with who you need to be with. Amen? Be with Jesus. Embrace his invitation. Let him make you. He's not through with you yet. So that you'll become everything. Somebody say everything. You'll become everything that God has called you.